college football fans on the West Coast were watching the Arizona State game and saw us beat number five Washington. And that may be one of my prouder moments because nobody talks to me about college football at work because <laughs> nobody follows it except for like headlining. So I'm I mean, very proud of them for that. Once I started telling them that I don't expect to see that defense ever again, they got that glazed over look in their eyes, and then I had to start talking about vegan shit to get them back on board. So. <laughs> Soylent, Soylent, Soylent. Oh, oh, yeah. I guess I- yeah, that was, a, that was a hard game for me. Because, uh, yeah, I want to be excited because you guys knocked off number five, Washington. I, I, I hate the Huskies, but um, only, the only team I hate more than the Huskies are the Sun Devils. <laughs> I was like, ah, yay. I mean, on the bright side, and this is this is me saying this as a fan. Like that was an that was probably one of the more Pac-12 after dark games, just because. Like with the Cal Washington State game, at least that was like, okay, we know Cal is decent. We know that Bowers has been a good quarterback. Like we know that they have that potential. With ASU, it was just like this is not the same team that has been playing for like that has gone two and three. Like this is not even anywhere near like what we've seen the past five weeks. So it was like, well, do I bet on this happening again this season? No. No, no, not. To draw the similarity, it's the exact same way that I feel about the Steelers beating the Chiefs this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Fun fact about that uh, Washington and Washington State since we were just – now, this is the first time since uh, 1963 that Washington, Washington State, and Oregon were all held to seven or fewer points. Wow. The best team in the Pacific Northwest this past weekend was Oregon State. Say it, yes. Oh, almost ouch. beat Colorado. Ooh. Oh, God. The Beavs. The Beavs holding down the fort up in the PNW. How does that make you <laughs> feel? No, uh, makes me feel like drinking. <laughs> Bittersweet. Um, it was it was great to see Washington go down. Um, I, I expected that Cal would be able to beat Washington State because that's like a that's a trap game. But even in a trap game, you shouldn't lose thirty seven to three. You should lose like thirty seven to thirty four. Mm-hmm. How many uh, how many turnovers did Washington State have? A lot. Yeah, that's a lot. The the best part was uh, the week before. Mike Leach gives that little post-game interview where he's talking about, uh, you know, it's so easy to throw a uh, shovel pass. And he does this whole little bit with the water bottle showing how to do a shovel pass. And then when they go up against Cal, their quarterback, <coughs> Luke Falk, throws an interception on a shovel pass. Oh, I remember watching, like, first of all, that shovel pass interception. And then you had, like, Boss Bowers doing his gymnastic shit, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure that no – 
parental gymnastics coach has gotten as much PR as Bowers' mom after that fucking play. Because <laughs> everybody hopped onto the storyline of his mom was like an old gymnastics head coach. Yeah. But then, this- like, so, so many other of those play calls that happened in the third and fourth quarters were just dumbfounding to me for Washington State. Because it's like, exactly like you said, Mike Leach, you know, he's crazy and absolutely insane. But there was a reason that Washington State was ranked, and I don't know. I just I didn't understand. It. Obviously, like you said, like Cal had the potential, and that was probably the one that was the most predictable. Mm-hmm. I did. I did kind. Of, I did think that Arizona was going to beat UCLA, but not by that margin. It's funny that their quarter, Arizona's quarterback two weeks ago was uh, on the bench, and now he has the rushing record for quarterbacks. In the Pac-12 of all time, like just that transition, like that's crazy. That kid is good. Khalil did, Tate. did you watch that game? Because I didn't see anything as far as like whether that was him or whether that was like UCLA's defense just shitting the bed. Um, it's a lot on him. Uh, that kid, he's just he finds holes, and when he does, man, he just bursts. Uh, same thing that he did the same thing the week before. I forget who they played against, but. Uh, it wasn't Arizona State, unfortunately. Even though we've already had one team break a single game record against us. Thanks, Stanford. Hashtag Heisman love. Yeah, that that uh, that kid. Uh, um, for, before I move on to Bryce Love, uh, they played Colorado the week before. Won mm-hmm. that game 45-42, ex- almost exclusively on Khalil Tate's legs. Bryce Love, <laughs> within the first four minutes of the game had five rushes for 115 yards and two touchdowns against, and actually it's actually the best Oregon defense that we've had in a long time. And he's still 115 yards, five rushes, two touchdowns, four Uh, minutes off the clock. David, what are the current Heisman odds? If I may inquire, give me a moment and I'll pull them up. Yeah. I want to, I wanted to ask before we got off of Wazoo, this oh, yeah. weekend they're playing uh, Colorado. <clears throat> Games at 7.45 p.m. on Saturday. Are, are you calling Pac-12 after dark? I'm, I'm wondering if we're taking Colorado on this. And by we, I, of course, mean me. <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, I'm hanging on to Washington State on that one. See, that's what I also want to say, but it's either going to be Washington State by a very narrow margin, like I'm saying like three, or it's going to be some really weird shit where Colorado comes out by like 17. I just haven't seen enough out of uh, Colorado to call it. They they seem like they've regressed a decent amount this year. Their quarterback's good. He's not great. Uh, I just haven't seen anything that wowed me about them. Enough to say, like, oh yeah, they can take down Washington State. So, but then again, okay. So the uh, line on the Colorado Washington State game is Washington State by ten and a half. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I take it. <laughs> I, I just don't see them being down that long. Okay, I'm looking at these odds here for the Heisman Trophy. And uh, I want to see if you guys can figure out who the please give us money uh, candidates are. So 
this right now the favorite is actually a two-way tie between Saquon Barkley and Bryce Love at plus one forty odds. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, plus one forty means a hundred dollars turns into two hundred and forty if you win. Um, Baker Mayfield is plus five fifty. Mason Rudolph is plus nine hundred. And then here's the one that I look at and just go, that's a trap. You're just trying to take my money. JT Barrett is plus 900. Oh, yes. JT Barrett's been having himself uh, a quiet season, though. I'm not giving like, them my money. I'm not going to. I wouldn't bet on <laughs> JT Barrett. I, I, I would highly doubt that he even makes the finals. But he has been actually, uh, I think after like the first week or two, actually after, after the Oklahoma loss, everyone just kind of gave up on JT Barrett. They're like, oh, you... You're done. But he's actually not terrible, I would have to say. But see, here's the thing, right? Like, it, It's not that J.C. Barrett is plus 900 and like the fact that that's kind of ridiculous that is the problem. The problem is that, or at least the issue that I see on it, is that Lamar Jackson is plus 1,800, Sam Darnold is plus 4,000, and Jalen Hurts is plus 5,000. Actually, Jake Browning is plus 5,000 as well. I would rather any of those four at those odds over JT Barrett at plus 900. Agreed 100%. Yeah. Because you can you can paint a picture for each of those other four a lot easier, I think, than JT Barrett. Um, actually, I think Lamar Jackson is actually the hardest. I think Jake Browning, you go, okay, let's say that Washington just goes back to offensive powerhouse and moves into a top four position. And Jake Browning won't get it. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, not, not even like, uh, like, I hate Washington aside. His injury is extremely apparent because he can't throw a he can't throw like a speedball to save his life right now. True. He, without that, there's really no point in even talking about him in a Heisman conversation. Gotcha. Well, that explains his odds. Um, but yeah, I still I still look at those last four: Jackson, Darnold, Hurts, Browning, and I go. I, I would rather the massive odds upside over going for a plus 900 on JT Barrett. Especially yeah. when Mason Rudolph is plus 900 as well. Well, I mean, yes. After that picture of Mike Gundy shirtless last week, I I will go for everything Oklahoma State. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think that that's totally a trap pick because, I mean, even now, like, I'm just looking, like, Ohio State's had, like, the same kind of run of schedule, but it's JT Barrett. Like, at this point, it's almost kind of expected that he's going to do well mm-hmm. also. So it's like, you know he's going to put up numbers. You know he's going to be up there. He's going to have to be in the talking, because if it's not, then you're talking about, like, biased media. So people are like, oh, well, I guess if it drops off, then yeah, sure, with JT. But I definitely think that, like, especially when you're talking about the two tied at number one for now. Yeah. Like, there's no question. I was just looking at the uh, ESPN experts, quote unquote, poll uh, <laughs> for the Heisman watch. And on this list, they have uh, Willie Greer. Interesting. Uh, Rashad Penny from San Diego State. Wait, Not a what? bad. Uh, they have Will Greer, Rashad Penny from San Diego uh-huh. State, which is interesting. Yeah. And then this, this is the one that gets me, though. Nick Shimanick from... Uh, Texas Tech. Uh, uh, yeah, that's um, 
zero, there's like a zero percent chance of that happening. Wait, for real? Yeah. Their experts poll, they have Nick Shimanek as their last person on the list. Which means he just got one fifth place vote, but still. <laughs> At that point, it's also just like, okay, we need five. <laughs> Who else can we just, just reach into the bag? No. Yeah. First draw uh, was West Virginia. No, we're not going with that. Second draw, okay, let's go with Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they're get, getting those. Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State. That's as adorable as it is to think that a defensive player might get it. He won't. That's the power of the hot take, or lack thereof. <laughs> so here's the other thing, though, that concerns me about a JT Barrett pick. He still has to play. Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Oh. That's, I mean, that's what actually makes it exciting. Yeah. Uh, makes it exciting as a pick, because if he goes off against those teams, that actually says something. Yeah. Whereas beating up on Rutgers. What do you think about uh, finishing off the season against Michigan's defense? You know, if you're, if you're thinking of Ohio State where they are right now, finishing off the season against, uh, and not just against, but but at Michigan, Michigan's defense is, I think, a lot better than some of these other teams that Ohio State has been beating up against. And I oh, feel like sure. if you're – say it again. Oh, I said, oh, for sure. And even Michigan State, too. Like, I know it's like kind of the one-off and you have to attribute it to rivalry to a certain point, but Michigan State's defense looked pretty decent last week, holding to yeah. – like, they hold Michigan to only 10 in their home stadium. Like – you know, they held a pretty – I can't remember exactly how many yards it was, but it was a really low number of yards. I feel like I like a good defense at home to close out a season against a big-name uh, opponent more With... than I like a hopeful trying-to-break-the-top-four team. I, I just I, – I, you know, from somebody, again, somebody who, who really hasn't watched you know a ton of Ohio State and haven't watched a ton of Michigan games this year I've watched a couple but uh I'm I'm probably going to be throwing my money on Michigan on that game uh Uh, lines close I would not personally I'd pick Ohio State in that game uh for a couple reasons first of all Michigan's offense wasn't great and now it is gutted without uh Willie Speet True. And it shows week in and week out. You just you just watch that offense, and you're like, I wish you guys were at least half decent. And then on top of that, Jim Harbaugh has a terrible record against uh, rivalry opponents. Um, he's not done. He, he's I don't. What is he? Maybe won against Michigan State once, but lost to Ohio State a bunch of times. I don't think he's beaten Ohio State actually yet. No, we haven't yet since he's been back here. Yeah, and maybe beat Michigan State the one time. So he just he can't he has a lot he struggles a lot in those rivalry games. I uh, I would take Ohio State in this one. Ohio State's been rolling since they lost to Oklahoma. I might add. I think I would wait until I next. Nobody, but... I would definitely wait probably until even next week with Michigan being at Penn State next weekend. Uh, yeah. I think that that game, especially coming off of an overtime against Indiana, where really like was very very close to 
like not having to go into overtime because Indiana is always weird. But also after like a pretty rough loss at home against Michigan State and then going on the road at Penn State, seeing how their defense is going to be able to shut that down, that I think is going to tell you probably more about what will happen in the Ohio State game later in the season. Because it's like at that point, Michigan's able to come out of that, have a stalwart defense, be able to hold that offense to, you know, like not the lowest number of yards a season, but to a pretty decent yardage, like, then I think you would probably worry a little bit more and go more Michigan or at least give Michigan more leeway. But if they, if they can't come out from that, if they can't like really actually truly rebound well from that, then I would, I would definitely feel comfortable going Ohio state. Yeah. And uh, also another telling one will be the following week. uh, Ohio state also plays Penn state. Yeah. Which is going to be their first test since Oklahoma because since Oklahoma, yeah, they've been beating up on people, but it's Army, UNLV, Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska. Well, it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as it gets closer. Uh... Um, can we talk about the last weekend of college football, though? Because it was very delicious. Go <laughs> there was so much goodness going on. Uh, there were no top 25 matchups, which is basically just begging for chaos to happen. And chaos did come abounding. Four top 10 teams go down. Uh, a lot of top 25 teams struggled uh, at best to win. Uh, the, only, the only teams that I thought that actually went out and just looked like they should have was uh, Alabama beating up on Arkansas and Georgia beating up on Missouri. But everyone else in the top 25 for the most part, oh, I guess Stanford's in top 25. They look good. Yeah, Stanford looked decent against Oregon. But even then, everything was messy. Especially yeah. starting even with Friday night. Yeah. <sighs> Friday night, two top ten teams go down. That was great. That's how you uh, knew it was already going to be a long weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that's fantastic. Um, what are some good ones? Uh Auburn going up 21 nothing on LSU and then losing 27 to 21. That was just they just it's almost like they were like, "Oh, yeah, we won." And then just gave up <laughs> and let uh to, let LSU come back and finish them off. Well, did you did you watch what happened to the Falcons on Sunday? <laughs> yeah, same idea. Yep, same thing. Same idea. Accurate. Uh, the Falcons just have a track record. <laughs> yeah. Matty Ice. What, what game was this? Game six? I feel like a couple weeks ago I said by the sixth game, Matty Ice shows his, uh, shows his Matty Ice colors. His true Matty Ice colors. Yep. He looks great, and then something dumb happens. He's actually just writing love letters to Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Please come back to me. I was going to say, you know what was a cool win was uh, Miami – taken down uh georgia tech which they should have won that but georgia tech was looking strong uh it was a ridiculously rainy game like i'm used to being in the pacific northwest and that was some rain um so nobody could really throw it and what ended up winning it actually was uh, uh miami with like a minute left driving down the field uh i think they're down one point throws this on fourth down and I think 10, the quarterback throws this ridiculous pass. It 
gets tipped by the cornerback, and all of a sudden you just see the receiver look down almost like at his chest level, like, oh, hey, look, there's a ball here, and just wraps his arm around it to give him the first down, which set him up for the game-winning field goal. It was beautiful. Uh. USC-Utah was another interesting one where uh, Utah goes and ties it up with just, I think, less than a minute, like 40 seconds left. And uh, they decided to go for two and could not convert. Ballsy call. I liked it, though. Um, He probably watched the Cal-Washington State game, or no, the Arizona State-Washington game, where, like, literally, no, that wasn't, it was Washington. Just two incredibly shanked field goals. Never trust a college kicker. (laughs) Yeah. What is up with Washington's kicker? Oh, my God. Their kicking situation is terrible. College kicking is honestly probably one of my favorite parts about college football because <laughs> in the NFL, and this is exactly, I think, to your point earlier this week about like how the greatest thing about college football is the unpredictability and mm-hmm. like the ability to like really adapt on the fly or like try out crazy shit. It's also like the unreliability of it, as in you have these 17 year olds who are supposed to have golden legs. And yet they fucking hit the post on a 21-yarder. Like, at least with with professional, you obviously have so much more experience. Like, your kickers, although not entirely foolproof, are still, like, somewhat, like, less susceptible to error like that. I was going to say, have you watched the Buccaneers lately? I did say not entirely. (laughs) Okay, Okay. but here's here's the problem with the Buccaneers kicking game. They try to perf- they try to trust a husky in the NFL. You don't do that. <laughs> Nick Folk is a husky. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. They don't translate well. You know what? There I are some exceptions. Jermaine Curse is great. Austin Safarian Jenkins is great. But right. for all, for those two, there's also uh, Jake Locker, who was one of their better oh. ones in the NFL, and oh, wasn't great. Uh, there's uh, what is it? What, 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 what? I always forget Bishop Sankey. Oh, I forget he was a Husky. I know. I, I can't because I remember going to the, one of their games a couple years ago and literally every play they're like, pass complete to Bishop Sankey. Run uh, for five yards to Bishop Sankey. Like every their entire offense was just <laughs> Bishop Sankey. He was returning putt. He was a great player. I was really impressed. I thought he was going to be a good pro. He was not. He was not. Nope. He was not. I was happy I did not take him in Dynasty because I was waiting for him to drop to me, and somebody took him right before, and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm so sad. I wanted Bishop Sankey. He's gonna be great." Nope. Yeah, he was. And then Jay's uh, voice comes into the back of your head. Never trust a husky in the NFL. <laughs> there we go. There, there are some exceptions, but there are a lot of. Uh, it is a general rule. I don't trust him. Never trust a kicker. Never trust a kicker. Yeah. That's that, that's the long and short of it. And the problem with being a kicker, too, is that uh, there's no glory in it. I mean, maybe when you, when, you hit, when you hit some crazy ones, but for the most part, all you can do is piss people off, right? For the most part. And you, your name goes down in infamy as I'm, a result. Unless... I don't know what? anybody from Boise State, for the most part. Like, I know very few of them. I still haven't forgotten the name Kyle Bratzman, who lost their perfect season for him. Uh, I will never forgive Alejandro Maldonado for multiple failed Oregon seasons. 
Your names go down in infamy, not hey, fame. Okay, but on a totally different note, Alejandro uh, Maldonado is actually super good at soccer. I played against him in intramurals. That guy is amazing. That makes sense. I, I played a intramural uh, ultimate, and um, we got to the playoffs, but we had to forfeit our first playoff game because, like, seventy percent of our team was going to Sasquatch instead. <laughs> yeah, I'm not skipping Sasquatch for intramural. No, I'm just surprised that they tried to schedule a. In like an ultimate frisbee game during Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest, like you know everybody who plays that game is high as shit. Yeah, there was probably a conflict. There was probably somebody who's involved with the scheduler was also not going to Sasquatch and was trying to get one of those fancy T-shirts. I gotta say that sentence that was just stated is probably one of the most PNW things I've ever heard of <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah, who would try to right. schedule an ultimate frisbee game? <laughs> During Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest, bro. Like, I got a lot more California than Pacific Northwestern, but still, like, I'm I'm far south enough to know, like, that's a seriously Oregon or Washington shit. Like, oh yeah, and uh, Eugene is basically northern NorCal. Yeah, for the yeah. most part, anyway. So yeah, we're we not had, too far away, sir. We had tons of. Uh... Tons of people from like uh, Napa Valley, Marin County. Ugh, Marin, oh. fuck Marin County. Uh, yeah, be careful. They on fire. Uh, there is a fund here that has raised. Okay, so for perspective, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Walmart combined to donate two point five million dollars to Puerto Rico relief efforts. Okay. A grassroots local campaign uh, here in Marin County has raised $4.5 million in what, a week and two days since that's the Im- fires happened. That's uh, impressive and not surprising. I liked uh, Donald Trump donating a million dollars to Puerto Rico, <laughs> which is $4 million less than what he offered for Obama's birth certificate. <laughs> hey, Obviously, he's concerned, finally, about his conflict of interest. <laughs> Apparently. As soon as his conflict of interest helps brown people, he's out. Exactly. You know what I thought was hysterical? Exactly. was like, people were like, oh, we have to see Obama's birth certificate. You release your birth certificate, and then he releases it, and they're like, well, that's not real, obviously. Like, Go. <laughs> that's <laughs> logic. When you present it with something that goes against your beliefs, you can either choose to believe it, or just double down, and that's what most people do nowadays. They just double down, like, oh, it's fake. Oh, it's so, it's so painful. I don't like it, it's fake. <laughs> it's so easy to doctor birth certificates nowadays. Yeah, just have you seen Photoshop? I just, uh, and I, I just don't understand it sometimes. Like, I've, I've, like, I'm all for jokes, you know? Like, I like making Harvey Weinstein jokes. I find them to be quite funny. Speaking of, you were the first person that I encountered to use Weinstein as a verb. (laughs) And now it's totally a thing, so... Yep. Yep. You started it. I'm going to take that one. But (laughs) it it is painful to see people being like, well, where... Where are you now? Why aren't you marching against Weinstein now? Like, you were going to march when it was, 
you know, the women's march when it was Trump, and now you're not going to march when it's Weinstein. I'm like, you're, you're totally conflating two things that just have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Like, if, if we found out that Weinstein did this shit, and then he got elected to a public office, yeah, we'd fucking march. We'd be like, that's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. That's why they were fucking marching for Trump. It, had, it, it, it really had much less to do with about what Trump did and more to do with the fact that people endorsed it. The yeah. fact that people are coming out against Weinstein is the exact reason why nobody has to march. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, it, I mean, that might have been just an impromptu rant there, but like... No, yeah, it's been it's driving good. me fucking insane all week. Well, it's entirely justifiable, and you're absolutely like I completely agree because when you're looking at it from that perspective, but like for so many people, I still just don't understand <coughs> how it's so like how you can bundle those two things together. And at that point, it's just willful ignorance. Like at that point, it's not like okay, we're gonna you know try and divest the facts and like it's obviously the same industry but like you have so many different things that are going on and harvey weinstein is not responsible for like policy making and you know a multi-billion dollar budget that is mostly gonna be you know screwing over so many of the middle class that he like got to elect him you know but at the same time it's like when when people just kind of start bundling that together you know it's it's not so much the issue of like oh we're paying attention to sexual harassment as it is like we don't want to understand the situation because it's going to reveal some pretty ugly truths about what like americans can be they don't want to face it so so speaking of harvey weinstein uh the new york giants <laughs> if you didn't hear Al Michael's great line, I highly recommend it. I think we should edit it in if you can find it because it was great. It. Anyway, Al Michaels uh, with uh, in the middle of the Broncos and Giants game said, and I quote: "I mean, let's face it, the Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein." I almost lost my shit. The only thing that was funnier was that the network made him apologize later. And it was so obviously not heartfelt. Because why should Al Michaels have to apologize to a rapist? Right? Right. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. I dra- dragged the name of Harvey Weinstein through the gutter. He's been having such a great week. I, I, I don't know why I kicked him when he, did, he was down. Fuck that. Well, and now there's all the stuff about the owners' meetings happening with the NFL and whether or not they're going to mandate specific uh, national anthem protocols and everything. Sports are becoming politics and politics sports. Oh, no, no, no. They were politics. Sports have always been politics. I don't know where that (laughs) argument's coming from, right? Maybe I'm like the opposite. Politics are becoming sports and sports are politics. One of the greatest moments in sports history speaking once again of Al Michaels, was the Miracle on Ice, which is one of the most political moments ever. It had so yeah. much political implication, and all it was was, what is it, uh, 10 dudes playing a hockey game. Uh, no, more than Sports 10. Sports have always been political. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about hockey. I'm sorry. Six per <laughs> side on the court, ice at a time, plus a goalie. 
There you go. These that six. many. Line changes typically happen three at a time, I believe. Yeah, uh, I can't and you As run. soon as hockey season comes around, you can be our expert. I'll try to watch some of it. If I remember correctly, each team has like 20 players, two goalies, and, and it might be three goalies, but uh, and then 18 players that account for three line changes at each section, the offense and defense. Now, I don't actually I was... know anything about hockey. I just remember that I didn't know anything about hockey a long time ago, and I looked it up, and this <laughs> is what is coming to my mind. <laughs> I thought it was six on six, including the goalie, and then you have five on five with the guys, and then a power play is when you have the goalie come out and you just have six dudes trying to bash in. No, so a power play is when you have a penalty, and one of your guys, whoever commits the penalty, has to go to the penalty box. It's kind of the same as soccer. Like, so they sit out for the power play is like however many minutes. The number of minutes depends on how bad the foul was. Um. And so then they play like five on four or four on four, whatever it is. Cause it's definitely like your full strength is five ice player, like five skaters plus a goalie. So you have six total. I think, right? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Man, so this podcast is going to suck in June. What we're telling people is if you're trying to listen to this for hockey, just stop. <laughs> yeah, we're losing a lot. We're losing our hockey fan base. That's Canada, right. Nobody Canada wants is blacklisting us. Canada's <laughs> blacklisting us. <laughs> uh, we just lost like so many, so many valuable listeners. Each yeah. each club has to have a roster of twenty players composed of eighteen skaters and two goaltenders. There's a twenty three man limit on a uh, hockey team. I actually was a huge Colorado Avalanche fan growing up. So I watched a lot of hockey in that regard when it was like that Colorado Avalanche one, I think back to back Stanley Cups in 95 and 96. And that was like one of my earlier sports memories. Hmm. And, but however, pretty much once the abs started doing terribly is when I stopped paying attention. And now out here people are like, go Sharks. And I'm just like, sure. (laughs) But to be fair, like, Hockey's always been one of those kind of outlier sports when it comes to how much you can really break it down because it's always it's so fast it's constantly on it's you can only analyze it so much but it really comes down to so much more like snap decisions versus like strategizing and making play calls and breaking it down in that manner so that's why like definitely two different demographics which is why I will be very surprised if anybody has made it this far into the hockey discussion yes the, the the only thing that I really like about watching hockey is uh, watching some of these premier scores like like uh, Ovechkin. That's that's literally about yeah. it. Like, yeah. I'm also a huge hockey fan. Uh, not a hockey fan, but Barry Melrose, like the only hockey analyst that ESPN has has had for like 15 years, and like. He's. I'm pretty sure he's contractually obligated to keep his mullet, so he appears like the only hockey analyst on ESPN ever. <laughs> that man is a fucking icon. He he has probably done more for the sport of hockey single handedly than, or his mullet at least has. Um, <laughs> Just the mullet. Yeah. You know he's he's at least been able to elevate it. But if they don't, when when and if Barry Melrose ever like 
if they can't find out a way to animate his corpse like they're gonna do for Larry King, like <laughs> he's just gonna. Be- <laughs> That'll be an interesting day. So speaking of great transitions, um, <laughs> and the New York Jets, uh, that was quite a finish to that game. Oh, you, you're talking about okay. So you're talking about the Safarian Jenkins fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, that drives me crazy. Touchback. I'm definitely gonna need you guys to recount that for me because I I saw a highlight and I didn't understand it. Okay, so here's 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 what drives me crazy. Before we go over, it, here's what drives me crazy is like when you look at a rule and you go, yeah, that's the rule, but then everybody who watches it goes, well, don't call it that way. I don't care if it's the rule. Don't fucking call it that way. That's stupid. It's just drives but me. yeah. So By the time he regains they knock control, it loose, it's, out of bounds. He's trying to like grab it back, uh, but it's still basically like in his possession, just kind of loose. And uh, he hits the pylon, but he doesn't really have full possession of it technically. Um, yeah, and he gets it before you know he falls out of bounds or anything. But because he hits the pylon with it still kind of bobbling a little bit, they called it a touchback. And uh, and not only did they call it a touchback, they originally called it a touchdown. Reviewed it. Yeah. And decided that that was conclusive evidence that it was a touchback. So that that in and of itself was enough evidence to turn over the call. Yes. Yeah. And that was a seven point game. Yep. It was Compared the uh... like so many of the other calls that are like not conclusive enough that are still pretty egregiously obvious. Like like I feel like that that was clearly more of a touchdown. Than Ben Roethlisberger's Super Bowl Forty touchdown. Oh, I'd give you that. I understand the rule. It it does make sense. Um, I understand. Like, oh yeah, conceptually, like if you look at it, ball is loose when he crosses in. But it's a shit rule. Yeah. Well, it's like so with the Blazers tonight. Um, so this is what I was talking about. Like, it just drives me crazy when when there's a rule. And then you watch something happen, and everybody goes, "Well, yeah, that's the rule, but don't don't fucking do that. Like, like, just don't don't yeah, call like, that not a touchdown. It shouldn't be a touchdown, even if the rule says that that's not a touchdown. That should be a touchdown. So, yeah, C.J. McCollum, uh, during the preseason, comes onto the court while Caleb Swanigan, um, formerly of Purdue, uh, was getting in a getting in like a little bit of a tussle with another player, and. CJ McCollum, for whatever reason, comes onto the court to try and like either break it up or whatever. I, I don't even remember why he was on the court. The NBA suspended him for a game because the players are, um, I think it's in a response to the Palace Brawl still. Um, the players are not allowed to enter the court uh, unless they've checked in. Yeah. And so Oh, like subbing in at the table, right? Exactly. And so it's an automatic one game suspension if you do that. And it's like I look at that and I go, okay, he's coming in to try and help break up a fight. It's CJ McCollum who's had zero issues with the league. You you can't you can't fine yeah. him a little bit. You can't you can't no, yeah. send a that letter. That seems like that something says, they could do. Hey, just a like, reminder to everybody as we start this cuz again, preseason, like a reminder to everybody as we start the season. If you haven't checked in, you have to stay on the sideline. This is, you know, tell them the reasoning to it again. 
and then move on. No, we have to suspend a guy to make a point because that's the rule. Like, just branch yourself out of the fucking rule for a moment. And just well, we think, does this make sense? That one especially, like, it feels like that's the kind of thing that they could, uh, after the game, get into a committee and be like, yeah, we can overturn this, right? Because, like, the, the Safarian Jenkins one, that's in-game. Yeah. And again, the score is finalized. You can't change the score afterwards because it would just it would it would kill kill the rest of the game. It's but with like a suspension, we're like, oh yeah, you're you know we're gonna take you out for a game. They could easily go into committee and be like, yeah, but we're gonna let this one go, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a player who doesn't have a history of any kind of issues in the league, right? That to me seems like the perfect time to send a league wide memo that points out and says, just want to let everybody know that if this occurs during the regular season, there will be a one-game suspension, as is rule of the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, that's just professional, too. You don't even want to get into NCAA compliance. Did you hear the story this past week about the NC State kid who was ruled ineligible for a season because... He attended a class at the university where he had committed, even though like something about NCLA compliance rules permit like prohibit him from doing that for at least like a year before he's actually like enrolled or enlisted as a player. Yeah. Like that's super shitty. Yeah. The so, transfer rule. And yeah. it happens often. But. Yeah, and all those things, it feels like it can, they, they could easily just be like, yeah, but this is not that situation. Yeah. That's not the point of this. Also, on another note, um, completely unrelated from sports, which is just going to have to be okay. <laughs> we deviated, deviated a lot from sports today. I, yeah, I, I, I know. We're going, we're going to in the future. It's just the way it is. Um, <laughs> can we stop making everything a day, please? It, the other, like like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it was talk like a pirate day. The other day, it was uh, National Boss Day. Like, stop it! It's Tuesday. So, so what you're saying is we need to lessen the rules on professional sports suspensions for arcane old rules that are generalized. But we need to tighten the rules on these holiday regulations. Here. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, like. There's the segue. I get Columbus Day. <laughs> I get, I get Christmas. I understand. Well, I, I don't understand the Jewish ones, but there's a lot of them, and it's a mess. Talk like a pirate day. I am sure there is a holiday right now. What holiday is? Today? Like, like to me, like May the Fourth is like the line. Even then, that's stupid. Like, it's, I love but it's, Star it's Wars. The line. But it's, it's the line. It was a stupid pun that we should have done maybe one time. You're right. You're right. And the only reason we continue is because Lucasfilm sold to Disney. But yeah. that's oh. that should be the line. But what about days like October 18th, which is Alaska Day? It marks when the United States officially uh gained or attained alaska as uh as land we already have a word for that it's called an anniversary as uh somebody who grew up in hawaii and celebrated may day i'm all for alaska day no 
It's called an anniversary. We already have those. We don't need to make a whole day after the state's name. We don't need Washington Day. We don't need Oregon Day. We don't need Lewis and Clark Day. We, we don't need any of that. What about Breast Reconstruction Awareness Day, which is celebrated or observed, sorry, the third Wednesday of October? Is that just boob job day? Because I'm in for that. Breast Reconstruction Awareness, which the acronym for that is BRA. Nice. (laughs) Also, oh, wow. Also today, it is National Chocolate Cupcake Day because Mm. all chocolate cup or all cupcakes matter. See, no, (laughs) too far. Uh, Medical Assistance Recognition Day observed two days after the third Monday of October. Hmm. No. Oh, and shit, I should apparently know this because today is also National Support Your Local Chamber of Commerce Day. See, you if, missed out on If you work in the Chamber of Commerce day. and you don't know that, then it's not a holiday. So. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I am not the Chamber of Commerce experts, despite working at a Chamber of Commerce. I even want to say that there should only be one day, in quotation marks, per actual day but you know then there's crossover between hanukkah and christmas and i i don't want to upset either of those groups well hanukkah kind of makes sense true you know what does not make sense national no beard day (laughs) jay that's your holiday it it is it's it's a holiday every day (laughs) (laughs) okay but speaking of sports Les Miles is uh, making his own podcast, so he's the he's the competition now. He's gonna. I'm sure he's listening to us for for advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, Les Miles' uh, podcast is called uh, "Less Is More." Oh, with Le- Les is more. Oh. I really hope that they fire Ed Orgeron and they team up, and then it can be Les is Morgeron. Oh wow! Oh. Thank you, thank you. Oh, so <laughs> less is more. Now I'm we're so disturbed. On the uh, so on the actual NFL news though, did you guys see Andrew Luck got shut down today? No, what happened? Uh, setback on uh, his throwing shoulder. Oh. So he had injury or he had injury last season, uh, surgery in the off season, and uh, he's been we've been slowly like waiting for him to come back to practice and stuff and he just started coming back to practice like last week it might have been the week before i think it was last week and uh they shut him down today he's oh is he out for the season there's no timetable on it um Mm. but he's he's on full recovery right now Brissett's looking good though yes uh also a really big loss in NFL, uh, pour one out for the state of Wisconsin um, and their loss of their Lord and Savior, Aaron Rodgers. Oh. Mm. That's tasty to me. I, I my, don't know. One of my good friends from Packers. Uh, she's fr- she's uh, from a family that has a Packers share, and she was in Green Bay for, for the game, and Ooh. her family is completely obsessed. And she sent me a picture of the front page of their newspaper and it basically was like the Kennedy assassination. Oh no. <laughs> uh, it was like uh, end of a season or like it was a dramatic huge headline. I'm trying to pull it up here real quick. So I feel like it would be more like the Lincoln assassination because everybody knows who did it. 
I mean, it took oh. them how many years to figure out that it was Ted Cruz's dad? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Reach. Oh. Yeah, it says yeah. um just the in huge, huge words above picture of Aaron Rodgers getting carted off. Breaking point. Um, and then somebody just circles it. the picture right here below it says broken collarbone sidelines rogers packers offense in painful loss to vikings and then it shows the moment of exact impact and mm. it's the entire front page of the newspaper I sure, hope, I sure hope aaron only gets the wall street journal <laughs> I'm excited for Brett Hundley, though. I loved him in college. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that. At UCLA, yeah, yeah, he was great at UCLA. It was a blast to watch him. And, and sure, he didn't look great just coming in the middle of that game, but very few no quarterbacks does. would. Uh, yeah. Against a Minnesota defense has just been monstrous all season. But he's looked <laughs> good in, in games where he, <laughs> where he knew he was playing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm real interested to see what this week uh, – has to offer. They are playing New Orleans. Oh yeah, that'll be that'll be a good way to start yeah. his highlight career or his <laughs> highlight tape. Well, New Orleans is actually. I mean, after the first like two weeks, New Orleans defense has gotten a lot better. I mean, they're they're middle of the league, but they're not Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just mean like exactly like they're middle of the league. It's not going up against a top defense or anything like that. Also, stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, Panthers wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin left practice today with a knee issue. Oh. <laughs> it might have been one of the 17,000 ESPN notifications that I got today. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Jesus. Listen, I don't care quote. what Matthew Berry thinks. <laughs> I don't either. When yes, asked it's about... all again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at the quote. When asked about the six foot five receiver, Panthers coach Ron Rivera simply said, knee. <laughs> well, speaking of weak need players in the NFL, did you guys hear that Navarro Bowman is a Raider now? Oh, see, I thought this was going to be about Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny though is is uh, when Navarro Bowman actually got released, I, I sent out to you guys and was like, "Hey, who you guys think that could be in for this?" I don't that. think Raiders was one of the ones that we. That we you know, you said Raiders. I did because I was gonna say because one of the things I was thinking about was the fact that he wouldn't even have to move. Yeah, yeah, you're. I mean, very little. I mean, if Philip Rivers can drive all the way from San Diego to L.A. with eight kids, Navarro (laughs) Bowman doesn't have to move. That's true. Also, since we brought up uh, Kaepernick. Apparently, he is now suing the NFL uh, for an anti-collusion lawsuit. I, I guess I didn't think during the preseason that they were colluding. I thought they were yeah. trying to not have to guarantee his contract. Yes. Week six, and he still isn't anywhere, and we've seen Deshaun Kaiser and Kevin Hogan and Blake Bortles and, quite frankly, Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to throw Joe Flacco in there because I hate Joe Flacco and I don't know why he's still a starting quarterback. But at the same time, I love Joe Flacco because I hate the Ravens more. But uh, it's pretty clear at this point. I, I agree. Like, 
May, putting all of those names aside, let's say, he, yeah, he's not a great quarterback. He's not a starter. But you can't tell me that he's not good enough to be a backup. Right. Well, I could actually. Um, when you want so, – so this is the thing is that I was able to justify everything throughout the preseason, the, the guaranteed contract. Oh, yeah. And the idea that uh, you don't want – you don't necessarily want your backup – to be somebody that you have to game plan around. If if Colin Kaepernick is your starting quarterback, you really have to game plan to his strengths. If he's coming in as a fill-in, yeah, but that's every quarterback. I, I don't think it is. I, I th- every quarter, every team. When you build an offense, you start with the quarterback and then you put a, t- a set around them to match their style. Right, but I think that the only way you get value out of Kaepernick is you build around the fact that he can move so well. And so I think with the exception of like other teams that already have mobile quarterbacks, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But a lot of the teams now do have mobile quarterbacks. Well, and that's which of those teams about, needed like, a backup? Like Seattle is the Titans. one that I see that should have been taking him. But even then, I think that also goes back to like that was such a wave of what was developed in college at the time to combat like a lot of the NFL defenses that were prior to a lot of these teams starting to get mobile quarterbacks. Now it's like the standard is a mobile quarterback. Yeah. Aside for, aside from that, you no longer have to look at it. And again, this is what I was saying. This is this is all in the preseason. I'm I'm justifying it basically in my head, trying to give them benefit of the doubt. Like, look, like I don't know what's really going on with them. I don't know that they're really colluding. I have no actual evidence of this. I have suspicion. I, I can look at it and be like, yeah, I think that's what's going on. But I, So I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt the same way that I try to give, you know, cops and shootings the benefit of the doubt where I go, well, I don't know all the details of what actually happened. Um, but, but, then you look at, but then you look at a team like Miami and you go, that that team could actually be good with somebody not named Jay Cutler, and that somebody happens to be named Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I think I think I also want to believe that it did not start out, you know, looting. I really, I really don't think that's what anybody honestly thought when no, no. All this first started happening, and then it slowly has evolved into you know, kind of this pressure to conform to, like, Goodell's values and these owners are, like, opting in without, like, actively opting into it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think if he was a good quarterback, it would be a no-brainer. But because he's not, a like, a great quarterback or anything like that, you're, as an owner, you're like, well, we could bring him in, but then we get this whole media wave of just, both sides just going off and I just don't want to deal with that. I'm going to just take somebody else. Yeah. I don't like that argument for the same reason that I don't like the argument that that's why Michael Sam didn't get a job. Yeah. And again, I I, I agree. It's a preseason argument. Yeah. But at this point you're yeah. like, fuck, I need something. Yeah. yeah. At, at this point, the Browns would love to have a media circus. Oh Yeah. <laughs> And also, if you, it, it, once again, it comes down to that argument of there is no such thing as bad press. Right. And once you have people talking about you, it doesn't matter what they're saying. I mean, and to be honest, the ads in the paper that the Chargers were taking out weren't working. They needed somebody to get people to come to the games. Yeah. 
be an easy way. You get tons of people to watch your games if you have Colin Kaepernick starting. Immediately. Or even on the bench for both sides, you know? Well, let's see. We're 1030. should wrap this up here shortly. Real quick, um, what is – what's one game you're excited for in college and one game you're excited for in NFL this weekend? Uh, I'll, okay. I'll I'll jump uh, in uh, here. I'll jump in here. Okay, okay. I got okay. two NFL. Okay, I, I I college. Quite frankly, the, the Ducks are so abysmal right now. I'm just I'm kind of out. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch the top games that are on, and then I'm I'm just out for the rest. We're taking on the Rosen one. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I just when the Ducks are bad, I have a hard time getting into it. Um, but NFL, I will always be able to get into. And there are two games in particular that I'm excited for this week. The first one is Kansas City and Oakland tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Because we get to see how bad is Oakland really? Yeah. Or is Kansas City really as good as they looked for the first five weeks? Because they looked pretty bad last week. The other Mike one. Tomlin is just really good at scheming against them, is my, is my opinion on that. Because I think Kansas City is a very good team top to bottom. I think they just got shut down last week because Mike Tomlin had their number. I think at the end of the year, we're going to be able to look at the game splits on Travis Kelsey, and I think that's going to tell us a lot about their season. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. That's, that's just my theory. I don't have the actual data to support it yet. Um, the other game that I'm excited about is the one that everyone is excited about. It's the one that the NBC executives basically jizzed when they saw they acquired that game. It's New England and Atlanta. Yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. Yeah. The Super Bowl rematch. Um, yeah, but been... I I don't see the Falcons dropping that game. I really don't. Oh, I do. Then again, I didn't see them dropping the fucking Super Bowl. So yeah, no, I've, I'm I'm taking New England in that. If the line's anywhere near close, I'm taking it. I mean, those are honestly the two that I would have picked as far as NFL goes. To everything else, I mean, you guys are sleeping. Right now, honestly. New Orleans Green Bay will be interesting just to see how Green Bay does. Um especially with New Orleans. Um let's see. Jay, what you got? You guys are sleeping on what's gonna be the most entertaining game because it is always the most entertaining game when it happens, and that is the Bengals and the Steelers. Oh, oh. God. There's yep. gonna be some fights. I'm that I love watching that game. Yeah. I don't like either team. I like watching them fight each other. I like watching Vontae's perfect oh, lose the game for them because he's oh, a devils. fucking idiot. You know, <laughs> yeah. when that game happened, I was I was at work at Macy's. I was working at Macy's at the time. Uh, and so all I had was ESPN's app following the mm-hmm. game cast. That was the most confusing like three or four minutes ever. I just did not understand <laughs> what was going on. That's because they, they they had the wrong uh, play-by-play guy in there. They had a football play-by-play play guy in there. They, they didn't need that. They needed a boxing play-by-play guy. Yeah. <laughs> it made more sense. <laughs> Vontae's perfect knocked them straight out, knocked his team straight out of the uh, playoffs by punching yeah. the Steelers. Oh, so well great. done. So great. That's my that's my favorite game for this weekend for the NFL. Um, as far, as far as college goes, uh, I think the easy answer that I'm definitely looking forward to, regardless, is uh, number 11, USC, taking on number 12, Notre Dame. 
that's always such a good game. It's a, uh, it's always riddled with pro talent, and it's yeah. just such a good rivalry game. Well, uh, especially this year after the USC Texas game already happened. Yeah. At this point, it's just got to get weirder. Oh, absolutely. And uh, start time, seven thirty. There you go. So it's going to be after darkness. Um, the other game I'm really excited for in college is going to be, this is going to be a weird one, but uh, Arizona versus Cal. I think that's got a lot of interest, uh, a lot of interesting things going on there. Yeah. Uh, both of them, they're, they're both trapped teams, and they're both on the upswing with big wins last week. I think that's going to be a great one. Yeah, I staying in the same Pac-12 vein, I mean, obviously earlier we talked about it, but Colorado, Washington State, I think mm. that's going to be a weird, fun game. Um, oh, LSU Ole Miss, there we go. Oh, there that's you go. That's what I was looking at. That's always going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Mm. Although Ole Miss is just above the bottom of the barrel. They yeah. won the bottom of the barrel brawl last week against Vandy. Yeah. Uh, I would say for me personally, Michigan, Penn State, yeah, uh, especially after last week, um, that's that's going to be a very big contingent point for the rest of the season for Michigan. So how that game goes is really, really going to set the tone for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, I also am, I'm I'm trying not to be, but I, I I'm a little excited for Tennessee, Alabama. Exclusively because as soon as you get to a rivalry game, uh, nothing matters. Like it, it just comes down to who plays best that day, and it gets really weird. Texas almost almost beat Oklahoma last week with a barely struggle win. Even like what was it a year or two ago? Tennessee brought Alabama all the way down to the wire. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a good game, but I really want it to be. <laughs> also, fun fact about this particular rivalry game, it's opening up at minus 34.5, which Holy is the biggest crap. spread that they've ever had between the two teams. God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't look good for Tennessee. I'm not, but, I'm not taking that. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it's the game of the season. But for anybody wondering where I'm losing money at this weekend, New England is three and a half point favorites over Atlanta Falcons. I'm taking the Falcons. I'm taking... Uh, New England. Go Flackens. All right, guys. They need to trade for Joe Flacco now. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On that note. On that note. (laughs) Neither of you... Uh, I went I got to my swing your sword reference, and that's disappointing. Sorry, right. I, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs>